Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Bones Brigade audio show. I'm Larry, and with me, as always, is Matt. Matt, what's going on, buddy? Same old stuff. Doing good. Glad to be back. Round three. Yeah, round three for Band This. I man, it's just like I when we started the show, I never could imagine having to do these in uh, three parts. I always just envisioned uh, an episode of video, but you know. When you got uh, Jim Fitzpatrick on, just dropping knowledge bombs, it's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, you're there's... getting you're getting some serious information. Definitely. Yeah, but uh, so Jim and Bobby will be uh, joining us here in a few minutes to uh, knock this out and complete our trilogy. But um, something that's been bothering me. It's actually something that came up in the last episode. Lance's classic slam at uh, Chris Bors house that came up with uh, Bobby Puglio mentioned it last episode. And of course, when we did our animal chin episode, that was a big thing that happened is what I'm talking about. For those who don't know is Lance slams off the side of the ramp. And to me, I was always under the impression that his head popped off, right? And then now I'm discovering since doing the show that people thought his body went into the ground, right? <laughs> that's what I thought. That's, that's what, what you what, thought. That's, so what, that's what Vern Laird thought. Yeah. And Anthony too, right? I think maybe. I think Anthony might have thought his head popped off. Yeah, I can't remember. So when it came up last episode, I'm just like, I didn't wasn't sure how people came to that conclusion. So I was team head popped off and you were team body into the ground. Slammed so hard. He yeah. went underground. Yeah. So I took this a step further and I put a poll out on Instagram. Right. And I put, does Lance mountain slam so hard? You know, I, t I had a picture of the, the video grab and I was like, does Lance slam so hard that his head popped off or does his body go into the ground? And the poll was for 24 hours and the results were, the winner was actually body went into the ground at 62% and head popped off was 38%. So this was a little disturbing to me. So I thought, you know what, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's ask the man himself, Lance Mountain. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Lance Mountain to the show. Lance, how are you? I, I was doing fine until this. I just heard this problem <laughs> arise. Yeah. I didn't know about this problem arising. I didn't know about this either until we started dissecting these videos uh, in depth. <laughs> I was always under problem. the impression your head popped off, but it seems to be the majority of people believe that somehow you went into the ground. So it, we thought you could set set the story straight for it. Was, it wasn't even a bad slam. It <laughs> um, Well, it's reassuring and good to know that the majority of people didn't get it. Obviously, <laughs> obviously my head popped off. <laughs> I know. Okay, how all right. Obviously my head popped off and I, I don't know how they would miss it. I wore turtlenecks for a good two years after just to hide that scar. <laughs> and they don't even remember that. That's, in, that's incredible. Yeah. Cause you go head first off the side. And then, so, you know, your feet are hanging up in the air. So I was just wondering. Yeah, Man, my how, head popped how, off for sure. I, I know Stacy has footage and it's probably too gruesome to show of the body <laughs> over behind the ramp without the head. But uh, <laughs> yes, my head did pop off. All right. There you well, go. there it is. I, I, there's no arguing with that. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I will say that uh, apparently a lot of people were under the impression that you slammed so hard. I'm guessing I'm, everything up to your neck was buried. 
Uh, yeah, I, head, I slammed head first, as Larry pointed out. I slid off. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm assuming they just were much more intelligent than I was. And there was no way that they could have popped my head off and I would have been alive. So I must be in the ground. Yeah. There's no you way know? you could be speaking if you're, you're decapitated. <laughs> yeah. But they missed. They missed the Ken doll ad a couple of years earlier. Oh. Obvious my head can pop off. That's oh, true. You know what? That's the sex true. sales ad, right? Yeah, you've got a removable head. Yep, yes. that is true. So it just shows that not, not everybody's been following the history of the yeah. whole thing. They just pop in at different times. And I, like I said, the turtleneck would have given it away. See, there's a continuity error that we even we missed. So did I, because I never wore a turtleneck. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. The head popped off. He did not go into the ground. <laughs> man vernon vernon laird's gonna be so mad all right Very lance cool. we thank you so much for letting us waste your time here tonight um yeah we just for coming like on. we said we're we're losing sleep over here so thank you for setting the record straight see you lance lance you okay yep. oh yeah it wasn't even a bad sign don't worry you're so late <laughs> Thank you, Lance, so much. That was awesome. Thank you for coming on and, and wasting your time to uh, let us know the answer to this pressing question. About? That wasn't a waste of time. That was that was the most important interview of his career. Yeah, for sure. For sure. This is important stuff on this show. Yeah, this, this is, is the kind this of is stuff what, what the show is about. Here for. Yeah, exactly. the details, the tiny That's details. Right. Yeah. Although I'm not quite sure if we're any further along on the actual answer. <laughs> question than we were when we started yeah we might, we might be more think, confused now i think you know lance saying his head popped off yep that's good enough for me i'm yep. gonna call it larry you were right <laughs> his head popped off i was wrong yeah apparently majority many, of the world was any of us wrong. were wrong yeah. but there you have it so hopefully lance will uh come back and uh We'll, we'll choose a, a bigger topic. We'll let him just pick his favorite video and we'll talk about that one for an hour or something. And But uh, moving on, um, one thing I wanted to mention before uh, Jim and Bobby come on is uh, I think it was last episode I mentioned Steve Caballero was on the Talking Schmidt podcast. Uh, another episode after that, he's got Ray Stevens uh, the second on. And uh, I'm pretty sure our audience is a big fan of the Rubber Boys segment. And of course, those two McRad songs uh, in that part. But Ray Stevens produced that McRad album, and he's got some great stories about producing that album and uh, recording in the studio. So I thought that was uh, a really rad episode and worth worth a mention for people to go go check that out. But other than that, Matt, did you have anything else you wanted to mention? No, man, I'm good. Uh, yeah, just I wanted to yeah chime in and say thanks again for uh, to Lance for coming on and and hanging out with us. That was amazing. Yeah, that was that was super cool. But uh, all right, so let's get back into band this. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome once again Bobby Puglio and Jim Fitzpatrick. Thanks for coming back, guys. One thing before we we pop the tape back in the VCR, we ended the last episode talking about uh, Dom Kekic and uh, Jesse Roach, and we kind of had speculated like, oh yeah, I don't wonder what happened to Jesse Roach. And a listener uh, wrote in and let us know that he probably right after Powell ended up on uh, SMA, you know, the, the NHS owned SMA and he's in the video uh, debunker, which I had completely forgot about. So that's the kind of continuation of uh, some Jesse Roach there. But 
Uh, so we're starting now. We're into uh, Javante Turner and Salman Aga uh, skating in San Francisco. And this has a really kind of interesting DIY bro cam vibe. Like here, hold this video camera while we skate for a few minutes. And the continuation of uh, misspelled names on, on screen is uh, oh, wow. very prominent right here. Both uh, Javante and Salman spelled incorrectly. Oh, wow. <laughs> Was there ever any flack from like Ray Barbie or any of those dudes or Gesmer or Javante or any of those guys? Was it ever brought up like that they were bummed that their names were spelled wrong? They didn't know how to spell their own names. <laughs> no, no I, nobody ever said anything about it to me. And I think it was it, it was one of those things where, you know, title generation, you end up in post-production uh, generating those. And sometimes it was a person who had no idea mm -hmm. uh, who, what, what they were. I mean, technically, they knew what they were doing generating the titles, but they didn't know who the person was. And they had a list of names and whoever given them names um, probably has misspelled them also. And where that list of names came from, it didn't come from me because I was, you know, I'm a quote unquote journalist, a serious journalist. And I took lots of classes and, <laughs> and all of that information is meant to be checked and double checked and proofread and punctuation is important, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Samanaga at some point, point i think was like a fish you know he was a salmon <laughs> and it didn't seem to phase him <laughs> yeah yeah he's a pretty chill dude yeah i recognize this little indoor warehouse place it's also sell barbier skates here in uh, hocus pocus yeah mm -hmm. definitely which i think maybe came out before ban this i can't remember the timeline i'm just going off copyright dates on box right around the same time yeah. yeah right around the same time this part's great i i it's really amazing to think about salman aga and javante having a part in a Paul video, you know, they're just, those two guys are just generally not super associated with Paul Peralta. And so it's, to me, it's cool to go back. And I mean, I love this part, but it's cool to see these dudes like early on having a part like this in a video like this. For certain, you, you never associate Javante and Salman with Paul, but yeah. I mean, even I guess pre uh, LA boys, a lot of folks would never have thought unless you were there, you would never have associated Guy, Rudy, uh, Gabriel, and Paulo with Powell as well. Obviously, their part has a much uh, greater impact on the culture slash skateboarding, what have you, especially 25, 30 years later. But Salman and Javante kind of just sneak by in this video. That warehouse is, I forget the name of the dude who had that warehouse, but it was like associated with one of the one of the guys in San Francisco area. And I don't, I, I never got the full rundown on that warehouse, but it's somebody had it. I don't know if it was their dad's space or whatever, but um, I've heard of those dudes talking about that. I think there was like a, a bunch of people had footage in that warehouse at a certain point, but I can't remember the dude's name and somebody will probably chime in and tell us the name of the person that was associated with that warehouse. It's kind of like the street skaters studio 43. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then just for the record, Javante and uh, Salman. Salman is San Jose and Javante is San Francisco. So Salman was probably skating in the city a bunch and whatever. The backstory to that and, and their inclusion in the video was it was sort of a teaser for them and an opportunity for Stacy to include skaters that were hopefully coming to the team and coming to the team sooner or, 
then later. Mm-hmm. Because the transition that was taking place aside from the video was Powell headquarters was moving into the Lemon building in Goleta. And there were lots of things happening, including the, the early development of the skate zone, the indoor part, and then the parking lot part that led to the indoor part. And Giovanti had been there and had skated there with the LA boys. Um, Giovanti had come one time with Salmon, and then there was a notable uh, trip. Caballero had just bought a 240s, no, I think it was a 300Z, a Datsun, their, their kind of race car thing. And they got a, and Salmon was driving when they got a speeding ticket. He's going like 110 miles per hour. And he spent the whole time at Powell nearly in tears, really pissed off and really upset. And Stevie thought it was really funny that it was Salmon because Stevie had been driving really fast too, but mm. it was Salmon who was driving, who was behind the wheel. So that was like this little anecdotal thing that was happening behind the scenes. So it was definitely a conscious effort on Stacy's part to test um, their impact by including them in the video. That's interesting because because uh, Javante gets super into cars later on in his, well, I shouldn't say later on in his life, but Javante was super well known for having all kinds of crazy cars. And so that trip down to LA plants the seed for Javante getting on girl because he meets the yeah. LA boys and then it plants yeah. the seed for him getting into cars. But Javante ends up on planet earth after Powell, yeah. which is interesting. But then Salman jumps with Tommy over to real, uh, maybe not at first. I think Salman stays around a little bit because he's in the next video propaganda. Oh, right, right, right. And Tommy's not Tommy is not in propaganda. He's not. This oh um, this is ban this is his last Powell appearance. Oh, interesting. So um the other thing is that Stevie and Salman are both from San Jose, which is interesting. So maybe that that yeah that kept him on for a second. He's and Salman's wearing a Caballero shirt in this part. Oh yeah. Yeah. And even kind of bringing it full circle, Salman has a pro board on Powell right now, which is, Mm. he's kind of come full circle. Right. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But uh, this is a really cool, cool part to uh, introduce these guys to the world. Uh, So moving on, we've got a short skit, you know, crime going down on the street, a young skater skating through Silver Lake gets busted by the cops while all this other crime is going on here. So we've got a hooker, a drug dealer, a car stereo thief. And um, so the hooker is played by Darlena Scrobeck. The drug dealer is Stacy's brother, Craig Peralta. The car stereo thief is Eric Larson. And the the skater who gets arrested is Mark McKeon. So that's um, Peter McKeon's little brother. That's oh, wow. Right there. That's yeah. crazy. And the cop is played by Drew Pillsbury. Who are all these people, Jim? <laughs> well, uh, Craig Peralta was yeah. a, you know, was, is a, uh, an actor. Okay. Uh, and a working actor in Hollywood. And Stacy would include him occasionally. And he was sometimes a reluctant participant. Yeah, I mean, these were just people that, you know, that Stacy quote unquote, knew. And I didn't have anything to do with the skit. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think um, Stesic had anything to do with the skit. It was just sort of self-engineered and thrown together. And crude would be one description of it. I mean, it, it, it just sort of happened. And I remember being in post-production when we assembled everything. And, and post-production was you know, in a professional editing bay uh, with an engineer and with a sound tech 
person, all of these disparate pieces come together. And I can remember thinking at the time, are we really going to put this in? I mean, we needed a bumper. I watched this 30 years later, and it I guess it kind of works. It's just so obvious, and it's sort of stereotypical, driven ridiculousness. And there it is. Yeah, kind of reminded me of the, the band This Theme that you described uh, in the previous episode. You know, it's just like, ban this. You know, the, skater, the cops are banning the skaters off the streets and ignoring uh, other crimes. Yeah. But I noticed the road. I think that sunset in Silver Lake, maybe that looks kind of near where Epitaph Records was in that area. I'm not sure, but that's just how it, where it kind of looked like to me. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it was very close to Silver Lake. Yeah, you can see the sign right on the road, like like entering Silver Lake, kind of the neighborhood. That's so funny. The dude, wait, who did you say plays the um, the dude who steals or the crackhead? Uh, that's Craig Peralta, the drug dealer. Oh, that's Stacy's <laughs> brother. Yeah, man, it's brilliant. He says, "I'll kiss your butt, man." Yeah, I'll kiss <laughs> your butt for five dollars. That's pretty <laughs> pretty wild dialogue for a Apollo video. <laughs> 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 and then which one is uh which one is peter peter's brother peter mccann's brother uh the skater oh the, the skater yeah wow. that gets arrested the little kid that's skating through there that's so interesting yeah yeah and then peter is the guy who filmed most of the uh, la boys stuff mm -hmm. yeah. yeah super interesting super interesting and you just got that off the back of the uh or the credit in the credits yeah it's that's just all listed in the credits yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Interesting. And then we've got a quick appearance from they, and then uh, Professor Didactic appears. And this is uh, the many uses of wood uh, introduction into the really super awesome Steve Caballero and Mike McGill part. This next segment demonstrates but a few of the many uses of wood, that naturally occurring cellulose material that we often take for granted. During the segment, count the variety of ways that you see that wood is actually being used. Totally insane. So good. Well, we had a question a few episodes back, Larry, that we, we got. Oh, yeah. We had um, somebody write in some mail. At the end of every episode, we kind of read uh, some, some listener emails. And uh, a gentleman had wrote in about some of the production styles of, the, of this part, how the zoom in that, you know, you can get, it looks like it's probably shot at a wide shot, but then in the telecine, like post-production, you could tell the the gentleman to like, I would just want a tight of Mike McGill's face or the hand grabbing stale fish onto the board. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the most epic shot in the video is it, well, I sh maybe, maybe not in the video, but in the, in the, maybe in the whole video is just the close up of Cab's face. Oh yeah. Up. I mean, that's, in, it's like one of the most intense things ever filmed. Yeah, I love how this part is filmed and I love how you can see, I mean, even, you know, even today, like you watch it and you're like, man, you could see the, you can see the graphics on the wheels, you know, the, yeah, the cameras totally. are so tight and that, you know, like you could see, yeah. you know, the trucks wobbling on the coping and stuff. I mean, that it's yeah. just, it's so good. Yeah. And, and, you know, of course the music is great. You got that, yeah. that trees jam in there. And um, so Jim can, I mean, the, the question that we had, and you may, maybe you, you could shine some light on this, but you know, the guy was asking specifically about like how did that get filmed i mean are we is that pretty much correct it was in terms of well it was so that was that was stesic's influence yet again where a high speed camera i mean running my, my memory is is like you know a thousand frames a second it was it was insane mm -hmm. how it was um uh, reconnaissance 
style spy plane camera gear that you know you you do a flyover and you run like a thousand frames a second and then you go back and you blow up and, and, and so you end up with these images that are really crisp and that was I can remember the uh, it was Kittela and sometimes Stesic who were who was handling the camera and the camera would go <laughs> you just hear this incredibly fast and it was just chewing up well not chewing but going through incredible quantities of film mm -hmm. uh 16 millimeter film and then in post-production you know we're, we're just sitting there going holy shit look at this it's incredible so yeah. it looked it looked much better i think than anybody expected i think craig was prepared for it to be as stunning as it was uh stacy was skeptical i know i was skeptical kittela was just ecstatic that it, it was so i mean it's so like like Bobby says, I think it's profoundly different than most other uh, sequences, most other images. You know, it's it's really dramatic. I think. Well, I think what it does is it makes in a in an age where vert parts were a dime a dozen. I mean, it really stand. It makes it stand out to yeah. this day. I would say it's probably my favorite vert section in any video ever. Yeah, you see something that you. You can't see with the naked eye. There's right. no way you can have that experience if you're sitting on the deck at the ramp or, you know, at, down on the ground. I mean, you you see things that the skaters don't even see. So it's yeah. it's mesmerizing, I think, because of that, is that it's the it's the only way to have that experience. And there it is. You know, it's it's in your it's in yeah. your VCR. Then you have those two guys at their prime, you know, peak eighties, still yeah. got the classic graphics on the board. And yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you see all the nicks and scratches and, uh, you know, it's, it's just so good. So, yeah. good. and, and the way that it works with the flows, with the music and everything, oh, it's yeah. just perfect. Really quickly. I just wanted to add that McGill's park is in this is in the location of a formerly existing skate park. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got a good taste of McGill's park from not only powell stuff but also h street stuff mm -hmm. and as a kid i'm sitting there and i'm like wondering because this is obviously pre-internet and pre me knowing anything about california skateboard history or culture or what have you so uh you're looking at that park and you're like why are these in these like bowls yeah but they're not but they're not really like your traditional del mar style bowl you know it's like these like really strange formed kind of like capsules of like you know i don't know it's just a, it's just a strange landscape but i've seen pictures of that park and it was kind of like a full-blown like 70s style like you know kind of freeformer like twinkies and sand dunes and craters <laughs> and stuff uh do you, any of you guys know the story behind i that that park has since been bulldozed in fact i came across some photographs fairly recently of mcgill's park in ruins sitting inside the bowls i mean super depressing it's like you know kind of like these things should have been preserved the concept of mcgill's park still being there i mean just that mini ramp configuration alone would be amazing to see what people do on it these days and then added the the second layer which is the 70s park which used to be there but uh the name of that 70s park is escaping me. I think it's just the Carlsbad Skate Park, maybe. Okay, right, right, right. And then I think right before it, 
McGill took it over. It was like a catfish breeding. That's correct. Or something right. like right. that. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 So all the, uh, so all, all the, the bowls were filled with water. Yeah. That's insane too. Um, <laughs> so McGill has a little part, I think in maybe like either skate TV where they go to the skate park and they yeah. show that all the, all the, um, all the signage is still there from the catfish farm. But I just wanted to point something out in that part. I believe it's that skate TV part. I think McGill does a 720 in that part. And that was something you never really saw McGill do. And it kind of like flew by me on the screen. And I was like, holy shit, McGill just did a 720. He yeah, just did a 720. I think he breaks that out in uh, propaganda, the next video. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I should have went to the, uh, I should have went to the, to the, to the books here and watched all the videos, but I, we, I mean, I've seen every one of them, but the one I just reviewed for this was ban this. So I should have done before and after to get my <laughs> get my crap straight. But anyhow, a lot of skate TV and ban this stuff to me kind of runs concurrent. I mean, yeah. I get I get those things confused sometimes, even though I've seen this video a million times. I'm like, yeah. is that skate TV or is that ban this? Yeah, well, I, I would almost say that the McGill's part in that skate TV part is is it might be the best thing he ever kind of puts out. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm a huge McGill fan. But just when that kind of crept up on me, it was uh, it really I kind of was like, wow, he's really skating at his peak right here. And I'm assuming that's probably right in this timeline zone. Eighty nine. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. So he seems to reach his max at like 88, 89, 90. And then I guess after 90, 91. And then he goes on to do chapter seven, correct? That's his skateboard brand after Powell, Mike McGill. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's two things there where you're, you're right, Bobby. The, uh, it was kind of concurrent, the skate TV and bandness. And there's a lot of overlap in there. Right. I had uh, coffee a couple of, well, a month ago, two months ago with Mark Hunt, who was the, producer of skate tv and uh -huh. he's kind of had this resurgence of purpose in all of the youtubing that takes place with skate tv sequences so okay. that was fun to see him and but the uh, the park the carlsbad skate park the i think it was the catfish ponds that helped degrade the cement so a lot of it was just awful in terms of a surface to try and skateboard on and that's right. where mcgill just decided okay well i'm just going to build wood ramps on top of this and use use what he could and it was odd being on the ramps and on the wood elements and knowing that it had been a skate park and i can remember talking with mike about it and how he was getting around liability and how uh he was managing to pull it off and i know that part of it was that it wasn't really in the city of uh, carlsbad it was county property and there was some sort of lingering liability release that came from the original park. And I kept drilling Mike on the process of finding out more about the liability because ultimately a few years later, there I was working with IASC and uh, trying to get the liability laws changed. But, but Mike, he's a good businessman. He didn't want to compromise what he was doing. The amount of money you know, that McGill must have been making to be able to purchase something like that I mean, that's not, I'm sure that's not cheap, you know, and then to construct those ramps and blah, blah, blah. But I guess the longstanding thing that comes out of this whole, whole, you know, uh, time period is his skate shop, which is still in business, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 
I'm assuming the skate shop was probably on the grounds of the skate park. I never got to go there, but um, yeah, super interesting. I don't believe he owned the skate park. The catfish ponds, if you will, a lot of that area, my observation was somebody stood on the natural terrain and maybe put down some barrier for weeds and then just spray-created the natural terrain. I mean, it was... I know there was parts that were excavated and probably some rebar was put in or maybe just mesh, but it was just shit cement. I mean, there were areas of it that were just sprayed probably, you know, an an inch thick because it was decomposing and there was dirt underneath the the sprayed cement. And then there were other parts of the park that were, you know, more quote unquote professionally constructed, but it was, I'm sure it was, I mean, I, I mean, what you described is is very accurate. You know, there was, I mean, today it would almost be like pump tracks in mm-hmm. between different elements. There's a, there's one photograph that I came across that's like one of the most beautiful photographs of just the the kind of like the sand dune, cement sand dune-esque style of that park. It just looks so beautiful. What we need to find is some somebody who's got their kid fishing in the catfish pond there. <laughs> Because you know that there's photographs out there of that. Probably. Sitting on their skateboard on the edge of the pond. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's insane. <laughs> totally insane. That is such a fascinating thing. But, but back to that, back to the McGill cab part. One thing that obviously is insane is the song. And it made me think, are you guys ever going to have? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to have him on for yeah, sure. That's a, that's a deep dive right there. That's he's man obviously the McRad stuff but then at this point that that song is chuck on his own correct he's not with McRad doing that stuff he's and and now it, it begs the question is the you know are these composed for the videos are these things sitting in his like you know his uh trove of of uh songs that he was working on but it's insane how well that song goes with the part i agree and then the, just the camera, you know, the, the three parts, the camera, the setting and the song and obviously the skating, man, it's just one of the best for parts there is. No doubt. Yeah, I had a friend who would be like, man, the audacity of Stacy Peralta asking these skaters to repeat their tricks over and over. <laughs> and I'd be like, what do you mean? He's like, well, they tell McGill to do a stale fish and then they just film film the trick and then they, they make him do it again and they film his hand and then they make him do it again and he, <laughs> they film his face. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. It's all one thing. And then they make a cut and then you can enlarge or zoom in onto his face, make another cut, you know, go to his hand, you know. Yeah. So people were kind of confused how that was done. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. And I think uh, this part, the way it was filmed and the slow-mo was kind of influential to some other parts. I think of uh, the beginning of Yeah, Right, the girl video, that super slow motion intro. It's got to be taking cues from this part. Well, again, you know, you're getting back to like the amount of influence that that Powell has on girl is insane. Just the skits in general, you know, remembering goldfish, there's the um, there's the Eric Costin, uh, Charlie Chaplin skit. I mean, the, the, the skits are are, you know, Lance Mountain, the parallel skit. Right, right, right. With this with the pogo sticks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, you know, just the, the whole concept of the mouse outfit and or the costume and uh the rest of it in the girl videos but yeah girl is obviously i mean it's funny that that rocco had you know went after 
Powell, considering how much Rocco's, you know, in a sense, his brand and his empire became what Powell was, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then it's interesting too that Rocco experienced that the mass, uh, I, maybe mutiny is the wrong word because obviously I don't know the politics involved, but you know, it's funny that Rocco experienced the same thing with everybody leaving to form girl, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't want to say taste of his own medicine, but it's definitely, definitely the parallels between world, the world empire and the Powell empire. And then girl kind of following in the footsteps of that. Yeah. Super interesting. Uh, it just shows you the power of, um, of influence at this point in time with video making yeah i think of you know girl and chocolate they have all those kind of punny video names where Mm -hmm. i always think the first one is celebrity tropical fish so instead Mm. of celebrity it's celebrity like rats (laughs) right 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 and then yeah right is you know in a sense it's like those two words yeah yeah title yeah interesting i just wanted to mention before we uh finished with this part the the McGill, the hand plant where he kind of jumps hands oh, over the so channel, good. just like the strength you must yeah. have to be able to do that. It's just yeah. so, so insane. And yeah. plus just getting to see how, I don't know, just how rough the, the plywood was and splintery it was and how it jacked up that channel was. And you know what I mean? And the mm-hmm. coping and you're just like, I mean, no wonder he's wearing all that wrist Tape. guard, the hand yeah. and hands all it. taped up and stuff. But yeah, just being able to see that. Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. It's so cool, man. Larry, you ever you ever see Peanut Brown do those do those? He does a version of the of the hopping hand plant, but he sl- he, he basically like slides his hand across the coping. That's right. Yeah, he does like an inward God. slide. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. But Lance has got a pretty mean. What would you call it? I guess delayed eggplant. Yeah. Where he kind of like boosts up. I mean, it's not the hop. But the hop is insane. It's one of the best things ever done on a skateboard. So moving on, we've got the Great Scooter Race. This is the Mr. Trojan Derby. Um, and here we have Ray Barbie, Steve Size, Chet Thomas, Bucky Lasik, Lance Mountain, and Tommy Guerrero in a downhill scooter race. So a million questions here. Oh, boy, Jim. Is this, uh, how does this come about? Like, oh, we've got these scooters that we made for the introduction let's uh let's put these to some more use or uh how does this come about here yeah it goes back to the the you know it's a historical lesson it's a lesson in the origin of the sport lance was instrumental in getting the uh scooters made and put together for the opening sequence and then yes those were um kept in los angeles and then in santa barbara chris iverson started building um, higher tech versions of the of the skate scooters with faux apple crates. So he was building the crates themselves and using two by fours and two by sixes. And I think um, there were indies involved and T bones. I can remember I had T bones on my skate sc- scooter. So there were di- there were two different versions. And and I my memory is that I thought we were going to be using the the newer versions, the faux skate scooters. But the sequence that, you know, ends up in the video is pretty much based on what Lance had put together. And those were like the skateboards that I first built in 1957. I mean, they were, you know, what I built in 57 was not durable and they would fall apart 
you know, before an hour of skateboarding had gone by. And that's pretty much what happens with those versions that Lance put together, even though he tried to build them as, you know, as strongly and as durably as he could. Yeah, Um, there's the shot where you can see them fixing them at one point in the middle of the race. They're like, yeah, got screwdrivers and wrenches out trying to repair them. Yeah, and, and some of that is staged, but a lot of that was real. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where it started and it kind of stays, it, you know, it stays within a realm and then it kind of gets real where I think it's Tommy gets frustrated with his scooter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of it is real. It's like it's like this authentic experience of, wait a second, I, I, I'm in this stupid scene and Stacy's making me do this. I, I'm going to win this or whatever. I mean... <laughs> Uh, there was a m- mentality shift because it took, you know, I'm going to say it took two hours to shoot the whole thing. And, you know, we were transporting things and stuff and tools and all of the skate scooters. And, you know, it wasn't simply done. And and then in the end, you know, what's the end result? I guess it's funny. I- <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's funny. Uh, so I'm guessing, is this like Lance's neighborhood? It kind of looks like around the mountain manor somewhere. I could be wrong, yeah. but that's what it kind of looked like. Yeah. Um, Alhambra Valley Skaters, AVS. Yeah. It's, it's on the, the outskirts of Pasadena. So it's a, you know, it's meant to be the rolling hills of a classic uh, Americana neighborhood. So you just showed up kind of one day and just bum rush oh, yeah. this neighborhood and yeah you were, yeah because <laughs> monday through friday you know 8 8, 8 a.m to 3 p.m there was nobody there it was yeah. america mm-hmm. so did anyone like roll by while you were wearing your trojan warrior uniform and be like what the hell is happening here <laughs> well you know when you have a big sword in your hand you can shake <laughs> that thing and really intimidate people <laughs> and is that you in the the firefighter outfit too there's a quick shot it looks like you Fireman is alarmed uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. I think it is. I, yeah. I had many, uh, many roles, very serious roles to play. Yeah. So who, uh, who was the voice uh, over person that, oh, that we've got narrated that? Dick Damage. Oh, is that Dick yeah, Damage? Dick, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And I love the nicknames, you know, uh, Steve King Size, Lance Downhill Mountain, Chet mm-hmm. the Jet, mm-hmm. uh, Lucky Lassic. There's yeah. some really funny narration there. Yeah. So that, you know, that's Dennis at his prime. Okay. And so the green screen, all that green screen stuff, was that just shot at the Silver Lake? Yeah. And that was, you know, it's like, it didn't matter that it wasn't quality green screen. It was, it was important to be a little bit compromised because it was stupid. Yeah. To the joke. Yeah. Right. No, you know, and, cool. and so it, you know, I mean, to do, you know, really quality, you know, green screen type stuff, you've got to have perfect lighting, you know, and all of these things. It was like, ah, fuck that. I mean, you can't, I mean, the boot wouldn't work with quality green screen. <laughs> the, it just wouldn't work, you know. <laughs> we got <laughs> the boot is scammed as scoot. Right. Did, uh, did any of these guys protest like after like into it? Like, I don't know if this is working or this is getting frustrated. Like this is done. There was, or... there was a lot of skepticism. Yes. And there was, there may have been some commentary and it's important for second unit camera people to not hear those comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pretty kind of long involved segment. Like this is not like a quick 30 second thing. You're got like yeah, five it, or five or six minutes here. Yeah. Yes. Really long. So how does it decided that Lance was going to be the winner of this, of the race? Did he win? Did he legitimately win like a, a race that you guys had? He, he made the scooters. Well, he made the scooters. <laughs> oh, there, okay. you go. Yeah. there you go. 
<laughs> so at the end, I got to ask for when, when Lance wins and, and he, there's that girl that he, the trophy girl, the trophy girl. Is that somebody who, is that somebody in the Powell universe or was that just like a trophy girl was walking down the street and that's where my sword came in very handily. <laughs> I threatened her with my sword. Uh, no, God, who was trophy girl? I, I don't, I, I should watch it again, I guess. Oh man. Uh, I'm pretty sure she was in the Powell world. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Cause what a weird, what a weird role to be cast for. Like you're going to stand next to this guy for in like a bikini and seconds. hand him a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> but and the Lance, best part is when Lance doesn't wins, he look up and try and kiss her. Or he kind of like puts his yeah. head on her shoulder yeah. or something. Yeah. But that's after he, he, he wins and he's standing there and his kid jumps up from behind the scooter and just whacks him in the eye. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's so right. funny. It's so funny. Yeah. That, that part's got a lot of, a lot of classic moments. Yeah. You know, I also wanted to note uh, the Colby poster at the beginning of mm -hmm. uh, that part. So that's the third, third video with Colby posters. What What's Colby? Colby, is Colby a was a union okay. house. A union printing shop, a union labor printing shop downtown LA that Craig used for uh, a variety of different projects going all the way back. And they would, they would hand set, you know, and they did boxing posters and they did all sorts of uh, posters okay. throughout, uh, you know, promoting stuff throughout Los Angeles. County sure, fair so posters, yeah, no, rodeo no. posters. Because yeah. when you, uh, the Powell Fun Zone had those, uh, yeah. those, oh, yeah. those yeah. posters. Yeah. Oh, the cover of Public Domain is yeah. basically yeah. modeled yeah. after that. Yeah. yeah. And then also Craig's art in general just seems to be heavily influenced by that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, they're out of business now. They closed shop about, I think, about five years ago. Yeah, and Craig even directed and, and narrated a, a short documentary about the, the company that's pretty interesting i'll admit i just wanted to sneak this in that 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 skit go i couldn't believe how long it was i was like wow it's like <laughs> and i definitely watched that at some point and then re-watching it i was like this is really long but you know it's it's definitely entertaining and it's it's you know at, at that watching it years later is definitely entertaining but that probably got fast forward through a lot all right so next we're hit with a series of what I'm guessing is Craig Stesic artwork as kind of a little transition piece into a mini ramp part. First, we have Tony Hawk skating at his house on his mini ramp. And then that kind of transitions into Chet Thomas and Bucky Lassick skating a mini spine ramp. And for some reason now, when I, I hear this song or other songs, I, I have a feeling that listeners are going to write in and tell us like, oh, this is a ripoff of some major <laughs> label artist's Mm. And this one kind of has a style, maybe how we talked about in the Kevin Harris part, you kind of get a little, a lot of little flashing, you know, here's a tire, here's a car grill, here's a graffiti mm. wall, here's, you know, mm -hmm. a hood ornament. Which I'm assuming is uh, Stesic's uh, handiwork as well. I mean, yeah. And again, that's a, that's an aesthetic that you see a lot in skate TV. Oh, for certain. Yeah, for you certain. You see a ton of that. And you see it in Savannah Slamma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the weird Aztec patterns and yeah. things like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Scorpions crawling across the screen. Mm -hmm. But this is another instance of Tony being just peppered in throughout this whole video instead of yeah. just having the big closer. Like he's, he's all over this one. 
and then the mint the the bucky and chet it almost reminds me of a, that ramp is just almost like a smaller version of the earlier mini ramp that we saw steve size and eric sanderson skate mm-hmm. it's almost like just take it down two or three more feet in the smaller <laughs> ramp but it's just like almost like the same exact design i i think in watching those i i remember especially in post-production thinking because we we've talked about the idea of a vert going away and mini ramps being pumped and promoted if you will in band this and the idea of trying to help viewers audiences and skateboarders realize oh that that's not such an undertaking this mini ramp thing is achievable and i remember like especially i think in tony's sequence but chet and bucky too it's like Oh my God, look at that. Oh my God. There's the number of tricks is so, I mean, it's just a proliferation of tricks, you know, it's one after the other and there's, there's subtle differences, but each one is significantly different. And Mm. it's, it's as if there's a thousand little tiny things you can do on this spine or Mm -hmm. on this. It's just, you know, sometimes there's this overwhelming nature by this big trick a no hands 540. It's like, Oh, I can never do that. But on the mini ramp and those little tiny tricks, it's like, oh, wait, I could try that. I could try that. I could try that. And the, mm. it seems to me that the motivation for learning all of those little variations um, is much more realistic than going out and doing a, a McTwist. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in many respects, I mean, I'm going to assume that in terms of like, and, and I think I mentioned this early on, but the no handed blunt to fakey seems to be the first incarnation of like, you know, and this is just, I'm generalizing here, but the no handed blunt to fakey with essentially, I'm going to say Danny way kind of being the person that introduces this. I don't know if he's the first person to do it or whatever, but the no handed blunt to fakey, I'm sure was done first on a mini ramp, but then that trick unlocks the key to later on the concept of the no handed McTwist, you know, and it seems like without mini ramps, all these things wouldn't have been able to be done, essentially, without a smaller ramp. In, in 89, we were in Biarritz on the world tour, and Cab and McGill both were able to pull off the no-handed blunt on the vert ramp in Biarritz. And oh, wow. they were, it was as if they had discovered gold. I mean, they were both so stoked. It was, yeah. uh, and it took... It was one of those sessions before like three or 4,000 kids where the three or 4,000 kids were just stoked that they were there and everybody was cheering and yelling. And essentially Mike and Steve were both using it like a practice session to (laughs) do something they they hadn't done before. And then when they had, when they both pulled off the trick, they were ecstatic and then, and then were motivated to keep skating even longer. And sure. uh, and be able to do it again. That's a trick that I don't associate with either of those guys have. Now, are those, are, is that session on film? And do we ever see Cab or McGill do, do Blunt to Fakies in the, any of their parts? I don't think so. I, that session, that we're might still be in the world tour. My VHS, my, my, I shot VHS stuff on tour, and I believe I shot that sequence because I had been in Biarritz in 1964 with my skateboard, my Makaha skateboard. And so that, uh-huh. that was a significant trip for me because it was the 25th year anniversary of my personal trek when I was wow. the only skateboarder in Europe. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
So I, I think I have that on VHS. And now that I'm here in Austin, Texas with all of my stuff again reconnected, um, I'll be looking for that, that very footage, but it's possible. Yeah, I can. I, I think you're right, Bobby. I don't think I remember seeing either one of them do that trick in any of the videos. Yeah. And Mark Saito was on that trip too. Tommy was on that on uh, like of the trip and Mark Saito was trying to do it and he couldn't pull it off on that at that demo. Well, skating vert is like just doing anything on vert is insane, especially if you have fear. I mean, if you have fear, forget it. You gotta, you gotta, that's, it's, it's a skating vert is so intimidating and standing up on top of like a frontside five Oh or something on a vert ramp is just <laughs> is super intimidating. I just wanted to say really quickly too, Tommy, I'm curious where Tommy learns how to skate vert because he's in San Francisco, but yeah, him and Bryce, Bryce seems to be a pretty good kind of bowl skater. And I'm sure that they made treks out to some skate park, but yeah, Tommy skating vert and animal chin, pretty interesting. No, and he would, he, like that demo in Buritz, you know, he put together a run and the kids in the, you know, the spectators were just, they were stunned that he could, drop in and and he had a run you know he wasn't yeah. it wasn't certainly as sophisticated as the other skaters but yeah i mean he would get impatient you know, he was just like fed up with the whole experience and then he would drop in and i can remember when we were in zurich there was a uh, which would have been before that demo and there was a beauty contest a, a bikini contest and a monster costume contest before they came on and tommy got really motivated because some of the girls in the bikini contest were they were definitely worth um approaching and remembering <laughs> speaking of tommy yep so is he coming right up yeah we've right got the final tommy guerrero part for paul peralta and i just oh, feel yeah. like that's a major you know closing of the book right there yeah. in a way yeah it's his best part too, if you ask me. Again, you know, I feel like this video is the best representation of a lot of these guys leading up to during their time with Powell. Yeah. Definitely Tony, definitely Cab, and and in my mind, definitely Tommy. Like this is just like his strongest. It's not all San Francisco centric, although there is, you know, some some kind of Tommy G skating fast down the hills, but starts off with like just a banger mini ramp part. Yeah, stu oh, right. Studio 43. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's got that classic, you know, he starts, he's holding the board with end racism mm. painted on the bottom. And that's that's super cool. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a great message, but I always wondered maybe if George would be bummed, like, oh, he's supposed to have showing his graphics. We need to sell <laughs> some boards. <laughs> wow. If Powell was, uh, you know, again, this is me just kind of speaking without censors, but uh, if Powell was smart, they would they would have put that out in 2020 and I, I mean, put it out now, the end racism board. That's such a classic graphic, you know, I mean, yeah, that would be cool. uh, real, real reissued the Klansman uh, graphic, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a bunch of times. Yeah, man, classic uh, capitalist move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and capitalism. Anyhow, um, all right. So uh, yeah, Tommy and SF, I forgot about the, uh, yeah, I forgot about the Studio 43. That's Definitely. a big mini ramp right there. Yeah, that's a that's like a seven foot. It's got to be ramp. seven foot. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's huge. Yeah, and he kills it. Yeah, he's not like he he's killing it. I mean, you know, you you already knew Tommy could skate ramps because yeah. he skated a vert ramp in Shannon, and he he did really well in my yeah. mind. But uh, uh, 
Tommy is one of the first per people that really masters the kickflip. Uh, I was watching this. Uh, I was watching this early contest footage from Oregon. Uh, somebody. I was going back and forth with somebody. Uh, I think in the last episode I referenced that Willamette uh, contest up in Oregon, and I mentioned that somebody's got footage in there. And somebody hit me up and was like, hey, where can I see that footage? And I linked them to it. And then I rewatched it. And Tommy does a couple of early kickflips. Also, Chris Cook is in there. And Chris Cook might be credited with the first kickflip on film, which is in an Alva video. Hmm. He's in the Venice Pavilion. Rock monster. Yeah. And he does that kickflip on flat. And yeah. that might be like one of the first kickflips filmed on a street board. But, you know, this is me, like, not doing my due diligence and, and just kind of spurting stuff out of my mouth. But uh, anyhow, um, but Tommy's kickflip, man, is really good. And then he also, in I forget what video it is, but Tommy does a proper kickflip backside grab. And that might be on a mini ramp as well, or it might be on a quarter pipe, or it might be on a bank ramp. I can't remember. But obviously, the H Street videos put the kind of nail in the coffin with kickflip backside grabs. Matt Hensley. Yeah. yeah, but Tommy's got such a great kickflip. And, and, you know, you never really like you never really think of Tommy when you think of flip tricks, but he was like early out of the gates. Mm -hmm. And also Tommy's gear is really incredible, too. He's like fl super flared out. Yeah, I think he might even be ha have he might even have a vest on at some point. I'm not sure maybe. about that. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm mixing cab and cab. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, do you know who filmed the uh like the street downhill stuff? Um, because to me it kind of had a similar vibe to the way it was filmed and presented in public domain, which was shot by John Melvino. But I didn't see John's name in the credits anywhere. So maybe it was Stacy that filmed this because I don't know, they look very similar, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think it was Stacy, but I, I will admit I don't know. Um mm. that was one of those circumstances where that whole sequence was unknown to me and it wasn't until we were sitting in post-production i mean because again my schedule was i would sometimes end up in silver lake thursday friday sometimes saturday and sunday but i was working i was supposed to be working more in santa barbara than i was during the editing and, and the production of the videos and then I, so i can remember showing up and and pretty much tommy's entire part was put together in the two different um, versions, the two different sequences, one being the mini ramp and the other being the street. And I can remember just thinking, God, he's done it again. You know, he's, he's presented himself again in this, you know, very Tommy-ish way and just watching it in, uh, in the, in post-production and not knowing where it had come from. So after Tommy, we've got the final appearance from Professor Didactic. Today's studies include classifications of species and genus, and even more specifically, sport and activity. When does a sport become a sport? A. When there are national and international champions. B. When it's practiced by millions around the world. C. When it's banned? D. When it's on television? E. You decide. And then we've got another street skating part with Tony Hawk, Steve Size, and Chet Thomas. So we've got uh, some street hawk on our hands here. And for some reason, I don't know, like watching this video recently, this segment feels 
out of place. Like it should be somewhere else in the video. I don't know. There's just something about it that it always surprises me when it comes on. Yeah. It's like it's thrown in at the end and yeah. What does it, what does it really mean? Yeah. Does it, was... it mean anything? <laughs> you decide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a, a segment in here, Larry, you might know the spot, but they're skating like a, a white round mm. rail sort of at the top yeah, of, a, the... of a bank. Yeah. That's, that's in Long you Beach. See that, yeah, you see that in, uh, I think it's in Barge at Will. I think Marco size. Yeah, it yeah that's Will, like it, you, Steve well, that's, Marco's neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Ron Chapman in. Uh, that's in right. Rubbish. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's uh, a Long Beach spot. That that part always looked super, super gnarly to me. Like scary, gnarly, like a, that round, you know, super kind of tall, thick round rail at the top mm -hmm. of the bank. Yeah, but like, I mean, those guys are like, it's cool to see hawk because you know you don't there's not a whole ton of hawk street footage in in any i mean with the exception of animal chin i, I guess really i mean that's there's not a whole lot of like hawk skating street to be seen up to this point yeah and he's so doing cool some some big handrails and ollie, he like ollie's yeah. off that garage roof that looks yeah, like it would yeah. break your yeah. legs <laughs> but I, I always thought it was cool to see um see those guys skating some of these classic spots and see like hawk you know he's wall he's frontside wall riding that's that spot from public domain that the rubber boys are skating like that yeah it looks like it's behind like an apartment complex yeah that's exactly like that. haters alley that's called that's right oh, across yeah. the street from uh the lakewood mall i got to skate there a couple times oh Wait, is that that's, right yeah that's the uh that's the classic bank to wall spot yeah it's yeah. in an alley behind an apartment complex and is the bank still there? It's still there. Yeah. You could just go in there and skate it. But I think, I mean, this might even be 10 years ago. They finally like gated off the driveway or the alley so that you couldn't get back oh, there. Lame. Yeah. And it's called Haters, Haters Alley. Yeah. With a Z instead of an S at the end. Is that, a, is that a nickname that was given by skateboarders? No, I believe that's the actual name of that, that road or that alley. Insane. Yeah. That yeah. is insane. Where is that again? It's in Lakewood, California, right? At, I could bring it up on Google Maps. I used to live close to there and would be in that neighborhood all the time. Wow. It's right across from the Lakewood Mall, right across the street. Interesting. Where is Lakewood in general? It's Long uh, Beach, kind of near Long the Long Beach, Beach yeah. Airport. Right. Okay. Um, just I wanted to point out, I wrote down on that bank to rail, uh, Steve Size does an ollie to layback grind on it, which is Yeah, that's crazy. crazy. Yes. Insane. Yeah. Steve um, size kills this part, man. That huge, yeah. it's almost like a Wally, like an Ollie Wally up onto that huge planter outside the, in the front of that office building or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he Ollie's, you know what I mean? And he Ollie's all the way up, but he slaps his board against, I mean, it's crazy. And then he like, pulls back in or whatever. I don't even think he pulls back in. He just one eighty like out. rock and rolls off. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Does Tony, does Tony, cause this is going back now a couple weeks that I've watched the video, but does Tony do a blunt of, on that bar no-handed blunt the yeah yeah i was gonna bring that does. up we yeah, talked extensively ah. about the ollie blunt and he does it yeah. on that bar yeah so sick so sick and you know it's funny because later on tony and a whole bunch of other guys bucky they're all building these like extended kind of coping bars on their ramps i mean mm -hmm. bob bernquist the, probably the craziest thing ever done is the fakey ollie or the cab to fakey five out of fakey flip out that bob does in that contest jesus christ that's insane yeah. you guys remember this i mean yeah 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 completely insane but yeah the extended you know um the extended bar 
and then tony also builds one right where he does he has like some kind of weird coping block or something i, I don't know it's all it's all a hazy memory we're talking about like 20 years worth of this kind of <laughs> yeah it's interesting the concept of like the freestanding bar on top of the bank or on top of the vert ramp or whatever but that spot man what a what a national treasure in terms of like again i heard that's i i would always inquire about that spot because when i was growing up i didn't know that that was in long beach i didn't know where the hell it was but I would just, I watch Ron Chapman skate it and I was like, where is this incredible, like who built this? Like, why is this bar, you know, just the concept of an embankment in a parking lot mm -hmm. is insane. Like why, like why build an embankment when you could just build a wall, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then you're going to drive a, a steamroller up there to like cure the, the pavement, you know, it's just <laughs> insane. but Kenter school, like that's a great example. Like, why did they decide to do the embankments rather than just build, a, you know, a wall? Thank God they uh, did, though. Yeah, right. I know. It's crazy. All right, guys, I have a question for you guys. What do these words have in common? Toast, pizza, beef, shiskadanks, Melvin, Mr. Wilson, snuff, pile, bail, Jones, and slam. Can anyone, anyone guess? Frankie Hill. I, I'm going to go with. Tommy Guerrero's lexicon. <laughs> uh, this is the the title introduction to the slam section. Slam section. <laughs> and is this the final Powell slam section? Is there one in propaganda? Did they kind of retire that? I know in. Uh... I think there is, but I could be wrong. I haven't watched propaganda a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen it plenty, but they've toned it down. Uh, public domain has two slam sections, and here we just just back to one. But it's always. Uh, I noticed the song is like an instrumental version of one of the songs that's in the Lance O'Neill part yeah. that has vocals. And now it, it here it is. The house party you know. song. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With no vocals. And then, uh, I mean, these slam sections were kind of classic. I mean, it influenced other videos for 10 years. Like, oh, you got to have a slam section. It's just mm. like, you got to put to use every little single thing that you film so you take that it's gotten to the point where videos are like 50 percent slam sections now not <laughs> they just yeah, pepper there's... them in yeah instead of having their own section now this one though i i feel like this this was probably the gnarliest slam i mean it's it's made a little more lighthearted by the spring sound the sound the, effects and stuff know, all that kind of boing, you know or whatever but there's some hard slams on this one man like frankie takes some serious ones like there's there's some you know it's not like just oh tripping off the board and kicking it away kind of stuff if if there wasn't the uh this the goofy music and the and the sound effects it would be a pretty harsh slam section <laughs> yeah you could score raw, it raw score footage. it differently and it would yeah. be change the tone for sure definitely but some of the frankie hill stuff he's just skating flat ground and he's slamming so hard and the board is flailing <laughs> i'm just like how what is he attempting yeah. here that it's like but yeah, the, that the his board body is, like is spinning off into the yeah it's like launching like into the air yeah, yeah it's just like what what what's the attempt here i can't even make it out for some reason i just it just popped into my head that you have two dudes on powell one is called hill the other one's called mountain oh man <laughs> well my dad used to call lance he would call him spear big hill <laughs> why and so well, oh, spear I'll, big hill i get yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> A, spe yeah, kinda, a spear is like a lance. Oh and man, that is so a big funny. hill. Yeah. yeah, spear big hill. I like that. That might be my rap name. <laughs> <laughs> so we've come to the Tony Hawk closer part. 
again, we're seeing a lot of things kind of peaking here as far as lighting, cinematography, the skating, the editing, the angles, the beautiful slow motion. It's just so much going on here. And I want to note real quick before we get into it, a listener, uh, Neil, let us know that the song here is, you know, done by Tay Uller, but it's a cover song or one of these kind of songs that we're discovering as a a ripoff or sampled or a cover song of uh, the Jane's Addiction song called Summertime Rolls that's on their album, uh, Nothing Shocking. It's uh, fitting that Tony would probably be skating to that. Tony seems to have a real interesting, well, well, Cab too, considering Cab's musical influences. I think Cab once, uh, I heard Cab mention that the Michigan UK was his favorite band. And if you listen to, uh, if you listen to Odd Man Out, there's a heavy Mission UK influence mm-hmm. there. But Tony, yeah, seems to be really influenced by the late 80s, early 90s, kind of like um, proto, kind of slightly pre-industrial phase, if not a full-blown industrial phase, Nine Inch Nails, Sisters of Mercy, Ministry, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 all that stuff. But yeah, Jane's Addiction, incredible band. And Tony's skating, I guess I always just think of every, the whole part just being at his house, but there also is a lot of that Fallbrook footage mm-hmm. again here too that we that was earlier in the video. Yeah. So what's the, um, the lighting and stuff like that, Jim? Is it just try to take it to the next level from his public domain part that's also, you know, pretty heavily produced segment? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think it was as much sort of... Uh... I mean, the, the conscious effort was to produce something that was, quote unquote, handsome, you know, that was beautiful, that was artistic, that was something other than just skateboarding in regular daylight. It was an exhausting process. I mean, we were up until like four or five o'clock in the morning and the, the lights, I mean, n- none of that was done easily. I, I think that was the experience where we didn't resurface the entire vert ramp, but the vert ramp needed some um, work on it to, to bring it back to the quality of, of what was expected, I think, from the whole experience. And I can remember I had a screw gun down on the transition area, down on, coming off the flat into the transition. And Frank Hawk came down and said, what the fuck are you doing? And I said, uh, I'm replacing bad screws. And he goes, well, look at this. And so I had driven a screw that didn't hit the two by four, that didn't hit the stud underneath the masonite. And the screw accordingly was was in space, if you will, on the other side, and it was floating. So the head of the drywall screw was sticking up probably a quarter of an inch from the surface of the masonite. And are you trying to, if he slides out, are you going to rip his knee off? He's going to rip his kneecap off. And I mean, I just... (laughs) It was a blistering account uh, on Frank's part. And I stood up and said, you know, something to the effect like, gee, sorry, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. I'm going too fast. I'll slow down. Um, You know, so there was the lesson for me in all of that was there was a great attention to detail in every aspect of uh, those, if you will, staged experiences, as opposed to the streets you know, skating sequence with Tony and Chet and, and, uh, and, and other people. Um, that was, everything was very particular. And the, the lighting, the angle of the lighting, the, the, the illumination, all of that was very particular. 
and I replaced that screw and countersunk it and made sure that it was tight. And, you know, every aspect of that whole scene was, uh, it took hours upon hours. And, you know, Tony was, he was dogged in making sure that he did everything he wanted to do. And it was, uh, he was tireless. He was indefatigable in his effort to make sure he got it all done. Well, he did a good job. I mean, this is, this is to me like Tony's absolute 100% without any level of argument. Uh, you could, you could, you could make a good case for his, his attack on the chin ramp. Definitely. But in yeah. my mind, this, as far as a standalone personal, his own part, this is like no, the number one thing that he ever did with Powell in my mind, yeah. this yeah. is like huh. his pinnacle part. Yeah. That's my, that's my perspective on it. Now, now Tony, the next video is propaganda, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and does Tony have a part in eight? Yep. Or is he, he's okay. So he, he stays on for two more parts. There's even, even more. Oh, there's even more. I think in uh celebrity, he's in celebrity. celebrity tropical. Yeah. Okay. That might and be then, it though after that. Uh, you know, when, when I was at the premiere and Jim, you know, you were there too, of course, the fear of the uh, initial, uh, you know, Frankie Hill onslaught and all that stuff had, you know, people had kind of, everyone had calmed down a bit in the theater or it wasn't quite as raucous. It didn't sustain that through the whole thing. But I do remember when the Tony Hawk part came on, it peaked and people were losing their shit because this part was so good. And like, you know, right out of the gate, it's just one just banger trick after another. The way that it's filmed is amazing. And the, the whole mood of it was like so good. And it was such a great closer to this video, you know? And I just remember the... 540 Ollie, you know, at the very end, and people are just like, holy shit, he just did a no-handed McTwist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it but it ramped the it ramped the energy back up and people were like super, super excited for it. So I think it was kind of distinct. I because I I think the excitement of Frankie's opening, that, that was it was kind of bordering on insanity. Oh, totally. And, and, and it was a surprise, right? It was like, it had a shock value. Whereas Tony's closing sequence, it's a different sort of shock. It, 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 I mean, I agree with you. There was an enthusiasm that just built back up again, mm -hmm. but somehow it was what, more sophisticated or something, you know, there yeah. was a, the mood about that whole sequence was beautiful and serene. And it was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, this is insane, this is insane. So it was... It wasn't quite the frenzy. Yeah, it wasn't quite like Lord of the Flies, you know, <laughs> yeah, craziness. Right. <laughs> but, but there was some, the insanity, I think, was afterward at the bar afterward. So, yeah, which led to, you know, Tony's projectile vomiting on the back of my head and stuff. So, but Wait, that's... whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Tony, Tony Hawk vomit, projectile vomited onto the back of your head? Yes. But I, my head, fortunately, was it was a rental van. It was a Mr. Hertz's van. <laughs> oh, this is the and best. we went to this club, which was very close to the theater. <laughs> okay. And and you know most of Ray Underhill and Stesic and myself. I mean, most of the people that were in the theater ended up down at this club. Mm -hmm. And Tony wasn't a big drinker. Um, mm -hmm. I have never had an experience of him being a big drinker. And, and in this setting, there was quite a quantity of uh, alcohol that was consumed and we were we were definitely in an altered state and when well, we drove he was back, drinking i remember him having a beer at the 
like he had a beer in his hand at the uh reception upstairs because there's a picture of my brother and him hanging out and he's like kind of covering his beer in this photo because he's like oh yeah taking the photo or whatever but whatever we all drink but you know tony uh definitely had he i it wasn't like he was drunk or anything like that but no no certainly if he vomited on your head later that night he had started early i can tell you that yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so that it was classic because i think a lot of the beverages that were being served on the tray i think they were purple Oh. And I, they, they were probably gel shots or whatever that's called. And so it was the mixing of the, uh, the beer yeah, and the liquor. The, and yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I can remember driving. Stesic was sitting uh, shotgun and there was lots of laughter in the back of the van. I mean, it was just this uproarious thing. And I probably shouldn't have been driving, but I was pretty confident that I knew how to get back to the hotel. And in the middle of all of this laughter, all of a sudden, here's this explosion. And, and um, it was like a captain's chair. I don't know how to describe because it was it had a built in headrest, right? There was one piece, the back of the of the seat of the driver's seat and the shotgun seat. And all of a sudden, the inside of the windshield is just covered with like this liquid foam. <laughs> and it was I mean, the, the laughter at that, I mean, we went to a whole new level in terms of explosive laughter. And and I was laughing because I wasn't drenched in vomit. And then there's that whole thing, like once somebody vomits and it smells and and I don't know if other people were vomiting. I I do remember driving into the hotel parking lot and I got everybody out of the van. And then I drove the van into the bushes alongside the parking lot. And then we took the shuttle in the morning. We had a real early flight back uh, to Santa Barbara, to California. And um, I talked to Hertz people when I got back to California. I told them I was really sorry that the van had been stolen. And I oh, didn't have time at the airport to, you know, to inform them. And so they contacted the police. It took about three or four days for them to find the van in the bushes alongside the parking lot. Wow. And I don't know, I don't know what condition that van was in at that point. <laughs> it, it would have been really bad. So, you know, because I remember it was, a, it was an unusually warm November. Right. And it, I remember the day of the, the premiere, yeah. it was almost hot out. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So yeah, that van baking for three or four yeah. days over there in the bushes. Oh. Ooh, boy, it would have been bad. <laughs> Tony Hawk vomit. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, if, they a, had no, if they if they only if only they had known, they could have bagged yeah. that up and sold it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they probably could have just just put the van on ice and sold the whole van. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Authentic <laughs> Cal Peralta yeah. van. <laughs> step in step inside and immerse yourself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And the 40-year-old stench of Tony Hawk vomit. <laughs> Could have used that in the next trade show. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> so, Bobby, just hit me with a couple quick closing thoughts on uh, Tony's part here. Uh, you know, to be honest, <laughs> it's funny. All I wrote down was Tony Hawk's part. I didn't make any distinct uh, trick notes or anything. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is kind of like the... Uh, you know, when you think of like the Tony Hawk parts, I mean, again, you're getting into like now, I, again, this is a couple a couple, uh, I guess, like over a month ago that I watched it and I haven't rewatched it since. But I'm thinking like night footage at his ramp compound lighting, blah, blah, blah. But I think that this has been kind of done a few times in his parts where it's just like you get a real kind of um, you get the feel for what it's like to be 
kind of like at his house kind of thing. I mean, you know, you're mm -hmm. obviously seeing like close up shots of the ramp and blah, blah, blah. Again, it's it, it's it's forming the type of like, you know, mental kind of images that will stick around with you for years and years. And when you're a kid, you're kind of like, oh, it's much like this, the, 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 you know, the footage at Del Mar. You're like, I want to go there. And you imagine what it's like. And, you know, you know, I wasn't I wasn't a vert skater per se, but like I everything I ever did was kind of mimicked off of watching vert. And then when you get Tony's technical capabilities on vert, you know, the easiest it becomes like a much more kind of um you know it's easier to apply some of these more technical aspects of skateboarding onto street than it is onto vert because you just do all these tricks that tony's doing on the curb in front of your house and mimic you know vert skating on the curb without having to have a giant vert ramp for you there to do the tricks on but yeah i mean it is the uh quintessential kind of tony hawk part and uh the kind of the uh icing on the cake is the no-handed mctwist which is insane yeah who would have, i would have never thought that that would ever be possible it's just yeah so crazy yeah all right so after tony's part we're hit back with that uh broken tv that we saw in the beginning of the video and uh this is the final credits um we've talked about most of the you know the behind the scenes people the production people the actors uh throughout this video one thing i did notice i was always curious about why are george and danny harrison thanked in this video but now now oh. we know that they oh, um on tour they went to the the george's castle i believe it's described as and uh we've got a skate master tate song here which is kind of like a biographical george and stacy song it's pretty interesting and um the the final credit was uh in memory of grant roloff who was like a surf and uh photographer and and filmmaker so the the video is dedicated to him he had uh, i looked him up he, he passed away in 1989 so this video is from 1989 yeah he so. lived at topanga beach uh down the beach and then uh, in the what was called the snake pit when i lived there in the 60s and he had a lot of footage that was provided to and then sold to Stacy. So a lot of, uh, you know, mid 60s skate footage, in, in addition to some surf footage. Mm -hmm. um, Grant was just a wonderful guy. He rode big waves in Hawaii in the late 50s and early 60s. And yeah, his, his son has kind of encapsulated his portfolio, if you will, and sells a lot of his stuff online. Mm -hmm. I've recognized a lot of his his skate footage being from some of those 60s and 70s films and then now we we see a lot of it in you know in the last 20 years there's been so many skate documentaries i've seen it uh put in there but that reminded me i remember in the trash column in thrasher is probably in the late 80s um you know which i believe at that time was still written by craig stesick but you never know who that voice was but i remember one little blurb in there being george powell and stacy peralta are buying up all this old old film like anyone that they could remember that had little home you know eight millimeter cameras or even bigger they were already back then starting to just collect all the stuff and i was like oh, i wonder what those guys are what those guys are up to you know i guess they were creating quite an archive of of stuff that effort continued for quite a while and there was i think a lot of that was driven by craig he was craig was always um looking forward 
with the you know the glance over the shoulder where had we come from and mm. um it was there was a great appreciation for the roots of everything that was happening culturally and and roloff and others were definitely part of that whole experience back in the late 50s and early 60s i mean that's one of my you know own personal uh, regrets, I guess, is that um, I don't have a photograph of myself skateboarding in 1957. That it was it was so unimportant. And here I am. At, I mean, at a certain point, my father was a documentary filmmaker and uh, worked with 16 millimeter and 35 million millimeter films. And he he did make a, a surfing video of myself and our scene at Topanga Beach that was released in '63. Uh, but never anything about skateboarding. It was so unimportant. It had so little impact on our lives. Um, and I never pressed for it. So it was, Stesic and I talked about that a lot. And, and it's still a very big part of Craig's. Craig still lives in uh, Venice, in the Mar Vista area, West Los Angeles area. And uh, he, he is fantastic to spend time with in terms of traveling around that those neighborhoods and the depth of knowledge that he has going back through skate, steel wheels, urethane, clay wheels, surfing, etc. It's God. it's a great experience. That's insane. That is, I would love to drive around with him or walk around with him. All right. I want to, I know Jim has to go in a couple minutes. Yeah. I wanted to just do a quick, some final thoughts on this video. Um, it's hey, the last, I'm sorry. Real quick, okay. Larry, I just wanted to say that we got to point out the one most important credit at the end of band this which is written by jim fitzpatrick based yeah. on his original novel yeah yep. band this yeah it's so right. if, it, if it weren't for that yeah we wouldn't be here yeah this video never would have happened without that would have happened without yeah. the novel yeah yeah this i tried is, to, this I tried to a find a shameless plug here's the book that i just got yesterday so uh, nice, oh, nice. Th this will be available at the amazon you, you can look on amazon for band this but this will actually be at amazon that's cool yeah cool. yeah yeah, I tried to find the original uh, novelization of Band This, and I just, I, yeah. maybe it's out of print now. Or yeah, it's really tough to find. Yeah. Anyway, Larry, go on. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so just some <laughs> some final thoughts about this video. Um, it's the last video of the 80s. Oh, God. Um, you said 945. Um, Larry, I got to go. Okay. Oh, no worries, man. No worries. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so you, much, Jim. Jim. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Oh man, talking about getting it down to the wire. Holy yeah, shit. I thought we had about 15 more minutes with him. Yeah. The, the hammer came down there. But I just wanted to say this is, you know, just talk about some some final thoughts about this video. Last video, the 80s, you know, the 80s decade for skateboarding. That's like a huge that's uh, true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was kind of they considered it skateboarding was dead or the dark the dark ages they called it in the early 80s but these videos i i think helped really ramp up uh, the participation of skateboarding and this is the last one of the 80s and then in the next year powell's got a really busy year you know basically stacy and craig and the others that work on these powell videos they make 13 episodes of skate tv and the propaganda video which is the longest longest video mm-hmm so I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a, I mean, especially after propaganda, the next video, there's a big kind of chapter ending there, but I think it's, you know, the page is turning here before the book closes next year. Definitely. Wait, I, I just wanted to really, uh, to ask this 
timeline question. At this point, Rocco is already turning the gears on World Industries, correct? Rubbish Heap comes out in 89 as well? I think that might be 90, but I remember right before I got this for Christmas of 89, I had already seen the Speed Wheels video, Speed Freaks. Mm. Because Rubbish we were- Heap was... I think Rubbish Heap was 89. Was it 89? I'm pretty sure it was. Well, I guess the gears are in motion with the demise of, I shouldn't say demise, but but definitely the rise of World Industries because Mike V has already left Mm -hmm. Powell. And that's kind of the first crack in in the fissure. And then, yeah, it's interesting too that the next video is called Propaganda considering that Rocco does launch a political and marketing campaign against um, Mm -hmm. the Powell Peralta he doesn't really go after NHS as much but you know in terms of like the quote-unquote like five giants and the dinosaurs if you it's hard it's hard to remember the the exact timeline but I feel like that when propaganda came out it hadn't that rivalry was starting but i don't think that they were like running ads against each other and stuff right yeah i right. think that kind of happened a little bit after Not 1991 i would say so you get yeah you're, you're kind of like but you know that definitely the, the everything is starting to kind of like you know the, and, yeah. and again i hate to use the word crumble but it's like you know rocco has has a significant uh strike against the uh the the kind of powers that be well larry makes a good point i mean this, this really was the last dominant Paul Peralta video for sure. I mean, this is where the, you know, where it all starts to crest and go downhill. Yeah. There's just, I mean, Powell had kind of invented and dominated the video market. And I'm thinking by, you know, 89 and 90, there's just so many other videos in the market that, you Mm -hmm. know, people are kind of choosing, you know, I like this style of video or that style or you know, I have my allegiance to this other brand. So I like their videos or my favorite skaters on this other team in this video. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well, you know, I always kind of thought about it in the same way that, you know, um, you think about like uh, Nirvana and poison or something like that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you had the big bloated, I mean, I hate to use that term, but you know, you had the, like, if you look at the production level of band, this versus the production level of hocus pocus, you know what I mean? It's almost like you could draw that comparison between like, look what the cat dragged in and and smells like teen spirit you know or something you know what i mean like it's yeah. like yeah totally totally um this and, is just some old antique style and now we're yeah. on to this new you know, exciting you this, thing or whatever yeah you got this big produced flashy glammy production thing and then you got this raw down in the gutter handheld grainy you know thing like hocus pocus so you know everything kind of you know and in that time and that was that you know preceded the you know, where everything went away from color and, you know, it was all browns and grays and big pants, small wheels and all that stuff. So that was, you know, everything tends to correct, you know what I mean? After a while, but it always goes in one extreme and Mm -hmm. goes down to another extreme. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, Ben, this was definitely like, it it was, you know, people talk about the eighties and the eighties thing and the eighties being away and the nineties being another way. And I think that's a perfect way to look at it. It's like the nineties came along and just changed everything you know so one quick last question let's just uh maybe toss me a favorite part or a couple couple parts from this video that stand out to you that you really like i mean i guess if i had to kind of like if i had to sit there and watch or re-watch or be alone in a room for 
25 hours. Uh, <laughs> I guess it would have to be either uh, the cab McGill part. The Chuck Tree song is so good. Either that or, you know, of course, the L.A. boys uh, is just, you know, in terms of like what that did for street skating. Kind of in, in retrospect, you know, because that thing kind of snuck by in that video. Uh, and it wasn't until years later that you were like, wait a second, they did this, 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 and this. And then, of course, you know, in terms of the skit, uh, the Lance, oh, Neil Blender, just having anything mm -hmm. with Neil Blender and it was a treat back then. So that those are like the kind of like standouts, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess I think of Frankie Hill, Ray Barbie, L.A. Boys, Lance O'Neill, uh, Cab's Perfect Line segment, mm. uh, The Cabin McGill, Tony Hawk. Those are, you know, kind of the, the segments yeah. that come to mind. But yeah. Matt, I know this is a big video for you. I'll let you <laughs> um, do the do the final thought and then oh. we, we can cap it. I know because, you know, you've been to the premiere and I think this yeah. is your favorite video. So it I'll is. I mean, out. I would say if I had to pick my favorite, um, I, that's a tough one, but I would go with probably Cab, How to Draw the Perfect Line. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is my favorite. I love the Justice to the Base segment. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The mini ramp Sanders segment. Yeah. Sido, I love that part. Um, love the way it's filmed. I love the the tricks and the sounds and everything that's going on in that one. But I would have to say, you know, Frankie Hill and Ray Barbie. Uh, you know, those four would probably be my my top. Frankie Ray, How to Draw the Perfect Line, and of course, uh, Justice to the Base. That would be it. Awesome. Madness. Well, there it is, Matt. There is the epic conclusion of the Bandless trilogy. I could never could have imagined i thought we'd have a nice little two-hour chat but it turned into six and yeah there it is did not think it would turn into a trilogy that's for sure but it was the, this is definitely man this was like so much fun doing these episodes i this was the most fun i've had yet on oh, nice. any episode nice. it, just yeah it was great it was almost like uh by the third episode it was like you know we're here we wait we're together again like the, yeah the, the four amigos are back and <laughs> yeah felt like uh it was cool, man. It was so fun. But yeah, man, Bobby, Jim, what what can we say about those two? Thank yeah, you so thank much. You. Yeah, for taking all that taking time. Like time. I said, I thought, you know, we'll get everyone together for two hours and it turned into six probably, you know. At least. Yeah. At least. Yeah, man. That was uh that's going to be a hard one to top, Larry. I'm, I got to tell you, that's going to be a tough one to top. Yeah, I think so. Not that I we have so. to not that we have to try to top ourselves every time, but man that was yeah. good yeah i think and we should that... we should mention i don't know if you know we want to mention this but the the first episode the first band this has officially become our most listened to uh, yeah podcast, yeah it is uh, true so far yep and part two of band this is climbing the ranks pretty climbing up yeah yeah so yeah thanks to everybody who uh connected with this one it goes to show how uh how how beloved this video is in the in the eyes of the uh palparilla sphere yeah, so huge thanks to Jim and Bobby. And then, of course, we've got to thank Lance Mountain again for jumping on with us at the beginning of this one. It was That was so much fun. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So saying farewell, the band. I almost don't want to let it go, dude. I know. Was, I don't want to yeah, either. I know. I, I, know, <laughs> I know. I know. I don't want to either. Is there a... Well, actually, I know there's, there's someone we're going to be talking to that's going to be very bandless. Yeah, we're going to have future. a little more. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like sending, it's like, your kid's going off to college or something. Yeah. You just <laughs> got to rip the bandaid off. That's it. Yep. 
So moving on, do you know what time it is? It's the time of the show where we get to uh, some of our correspondence. We call it the Bones Brigade audio show mailbag. And uh, I think we're just going to do three this week, uh, even though, man, they're kind of coming in hot and heavy. So yeah. uh, we've got a lot to uh, pick and choose from. If you don't hear your email uh, this week, we'll get it. We'll get to it eventually at some point. All right. We'll just dive in. Yeah, here. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, so the first one is uh, we got Dave from Washington, and he writes, I recently discovered the Bones Brigade audio show, and I'm working my way through the episodes. Thank you so much for the great insights and guests who are offering some stories and thoughts on a very influential era of my life. Band This was my first video that I purchased. I had rented the search for Animal Chin in public domain and would keep them the maximum amount of days and plan the times I'd be able to use the family TV to watch them. But when I took the bus to the Northwest Snowboards in Tacoma, Washington with my friends, I realized I could own my own tape and instantly abandon my pre-planned spending on assorted t-shirts, rails, and stickers. I stayed up way too late so many times to rewatch my favorite parts and dissect how they do the tricks. It's probably impossible for a kid today to process this scenario as everything in your palm 24-7 crystal clear HD but our VCR was low end and pausing the video made it indecipherable as to foot placement or weight distribution. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> Regardless, I spent the next few years buying every Powell board I could find. And I wrote a few Frankie Hill decks, Steve size debut board in Navy and a McGill tropical fish much later, along with a couple of different Lance mountain boards as well. Sorry for the mega long email, but I'll wrap up with this observation after rewatching ban this. Never noticed that Cameron Martin had an experimental deck before. I feel this almost disproved Jim's story about the stickers as I can't imagine them having a new freestyle shave at that point. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Though I do think that, that was a bigger, it was a longer. If I yeah, remember. I would imagine, you know, some guys was, like was, a little different wheelbase yeah. or a longer nose or tail. So I'm sure yeah, there was, it was a little was bit of a. Yeah, it yeah. definitely was different from the uh, Mullen and mm -hmm. the uh, Harris and kind of like the more traditional uh, shapes. Uh, I too was obsessed with those stickers and we made some knockoff ones for my skate shop years later. Thanks again for all the nostalgia. I try to live in the present, but the way you guys talk, I feel like we're very similar and I'm happy to relive that time along with you guys. Take care and keep up the great work. Oh, wow. Thank you so much yeah. for writing in. Yeah, that was a great Dave, one. Be cool to know what shop uh, he, he owned. Yeah, that would be cool. Shop. Okay. Uh, we got Brett G and Brett G writes, uh, I found your podcast a couple of weeks ago. I'm up to Axe Rated. Great stuff. Being a skater from the late 70s on through the late 80s in the land of Chris Borst, I saw most of these videos as they became available. Loved them. A couple of things I remember noticing in the videos I don't remember you guys bringing up always caught my eye. In the Bones Brigade video show, we follow Lance on a single trip in one day. He must have taken a change of socks. Part of the time they're red and part of the time they're blue. Oh. I don't know that I've never noticed that. So well me, done. Me neither. Yeah. He skates through some water at some point. So maybe he brought a change. Of, doesn't he skate through like some, uh, like a, like a, uh, yeah. Sprinkler? I'm guessing. Yeah. I think probably the socks are different because that's not all filmed in, in one day. day. Yeah. 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 I'm I mean, just going to say, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say he brought a change of socks because he knew. Okay. That yeah. He's even not even riding the same board in one scene. That's as, right. Really, yeah. <laughs> In the credits for uh, the search for Animal Chin, there is one that says Rad's Party edited by Dick Damage. Dick Damage is the name Dennis Dragon used on the TV interview part of the 1980 flick Skateboard Mattis, which mm -hmm. I believe we have. Yeah, we talked on. about that in the uh, what, what, oh the Savannah Slam episode. Yeah, we talked about that 
but well, well done. Uh, good. Well, well noted. Uh, yeah. There's lots more awesome little tidbits that you guys bring up. Definitely part of the charm of these videos. Keep it up. Now back to more binge listening. Well, thank you, Brett. Yeah. Thank you, Brett. Yeah. 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 Dick damage is a, uh, he's a recurring, he's a recurring theme in the show. Yeah. We, a lot. we're aware of the, uh, the chin, uh, you know, editing. And then I think we talked about him a little more in depth in the uh, Savannah slammer. Cause he has that big uh, kind of narrated intro. And that's when we kind of unleashed the, uh, the legend of Dick damage. Yep. And then we've mentioned him many, many, ep- like almost probably every episode since then he's yeah. had, you know, I, I wonder why they would do that. I guess they didn't, you know, cause they're doing so much for these videos. They didn't want the same name, like, you know, music supervisor, Dennis dragon, editor dick damage like yeah. you just didn't want to have your name again a lot of people like wearing a, the same hats yeah or wearing a lot of hats and yeah because you know, craig would be like you know directed by craig stesick and then it would be edited by low boy you know like, written by john Smythe. you know <laughs> right. it's like well it's the same guy same dude it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting funny, man uh all right so we got aaron from the uk and he writes amazing podcast guys i have i have not been on a skateboard for 30 years but after listening to the podcast, made me go buy one. Wow. I got myself an old shape Mike Valley Paul Peralta, which is the board I had all those years ago. Just a shame the 46-year-old me can't ride like the 16-year-old me. All the best, Aaron from Camberley, UK. Wow. That's amazing, man. I mean, I like I can't even describe to you how cool that is. Like we inspired somebody to get back yeah. on the board. Like, yeah, that's... someone listened to our show and then went and bought a skateboard. That is cool. Yeah. That's that's the best endorsement that we could get. Yeah, and he bought an awesome board too. And he bought a good one too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, that's the mailbag for today. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, but, man. But you know what, Larry? I'm going to bring one more thing up. Okay. Because I can't I can't let this go. Okay. What you so, got? So now we're not going to technically say this is a mailbag entry. Okay. We got a uh, we got a comment on our uh, iTunes page. Oh yeah, and, I know um, what you're referring to. So, so here, here's what I'm going to preface this by saying, Larry and I are, are, are grown men and we are thick skinned and we can take, <laughs> we can take criticism Yeah. and I, and I'm, and I'm sure that we will get more and, you know, we're not at no point have we ever claimed that we know everything or are experts in this realm at all. We're fans just like everyone listening and we will, we could occasionally get some things wrong. And in fact, I'm sure that we have. Yeah. Yeah. But we had a uh, somebody who gave us a, a very low review, which is okay. That's all right. We can, again, we're thick skinned. We can handle it. Uh, but uh, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this review and then oh, I'm, going got, to, you... I'm going to reply. Okay. You're going to break it so, all down. So we have a, a guy named Nickname Took Forever, which is not <laughs> anybody you could, it's not anybody you could find. He's not on Instagram. I'm not calling him out by name. This is just some random thing he put in. So he says, just found this pod today. And hearing one of the kooks say Cab did a boneless to lip slide, it may be possible. <laughs> but Cab doing a boneless to lip slide, dude don't know his tricks. Larry, he's calling you out. Ooh, so, yeah, he called me no, no, nope, nope, you're a kook. And, and you know what? I am a kook. Like, I'll admit it. But I'm not wrong. You were not wrong here. And I'm going to just, I just need, because I have to defend Caballero's honor here. Yeah, we have to. Well, he's saying so, we're wrong so he's and saying we're clearly we're wrong. correct. He says, no way that happened. Boneless to board, maybe. But to lip slide, dude don't know what's up. So to uh, to nickname took forever. Um, thank you for, for taking the time 
to uh, call us kooks and to, to weigh in on a trick Caballero very clearly did in 1987. Uh, but if you go to, uh, go to YouTube and pull up Axe Rated, just put in Axe Rated Paul Peralta. It's a 30-minute video. Go to uh, 2405 of the video. Is that the exact? That's the exact time. Okay, you checked it. Okay, amazing. And, and I'm just, I'm just gonna tell you, go, yeah. go there and 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 then and then get back to us with, with your commentary. Yeah, he does a boneless lip slide on a ledge. He does a boneless lip slide on the ledge in 1987. Steve Caballero can in fact do that, and in fact did that. 30 however many years ago so and we called the trick correctly and we called the trick correctly so again once again i want to say you know we can take we can take uh negative feedback and and positive feedback and constructive uh criticism and everything like that but steve caballero most certainly did that trick and even though we may we might be kooks and we might be wrong about some stuff we're not wrong about that. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Mr. Nickname took forever. And we hope to see you again on the next podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, nickname guy. What, I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> took forever. Nickname guy. Amazing. Yeah. That was kind of a bummer, dude. Yeah. I mean, whatever, man. It's like, it's yeah. cool. Like, yeah. like, you know, again, like we're not, you know, we're not, it's not, it's not all going to be uh, puppies and kittens, but yeah. you know, yeah, you got to probably do a little more homework than that, my <laughs> friend. But you know what? Like I said, if you listen back, I'm sure you could find a plethora of things that we got wrong. And I want to just stress again that, you know, Larry and I are not in any way purporting to be experts on anything that we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we could even go back to, I guess it's episode two, where uh, the Ultravox song where I accidentally said the name yeah. of the album instead of that the was name the, of the songs like the, and I got yeah. jumped on. Yeah, exactly. People so went cool. crazy. Yeah. It's cool. We can we can hang. We can hang. Yeah. But you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna take out your glove and slap the good the good face of Steve Caballero and challenge him to a skate duel, yeah. You're you're gonna lose <laughs> definitely. that duel. You definitely. So there you go. That's the, that's the mailbag. And uh, I just had, I couldn't let that one go any longer. I had to, had to say something. No problem. But uh, I've been loving all these emails. If you would love to email us, you can go to our website at thebonesbrigadeaudioshow.com. Click on our contact page and uh, just type in your message and hit send. And we will get it instantly. Instantly. Without delay. Or just hit us, hit us up on Instagram too. We've been, uh, man, Instagram's been pretty, pretty good. People getting pretty interactive. Over yeah, there. definitely. Yeah. It's been great. Lots of cool stuff going on on the gram. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to uh, touch on before we shut this down? I don't think so, man. I think we have uh, we have exhausted the uh, the band this gas tank. I don't think there's anything left in it. Yep. Big thanks to uh, Jim and Bobby and Lance again for um, taking the time and uh i will actually even tease our next episode a little bit and i'm gonna say people are gonna be very surprised i think oh dude yeah that's an understatement yeah (laughs) yes yeah it's gonna be wild it's gonna be cool yeah it's it's gonna gonna be fun yeah but until then i am larry i'm matt reminding you to never stop searching for chin have a good night Oh, yeah. Here we go. P-O-W.
A-L-T-A. Two words, 13 letters, and two guys with something to say. Once you know you skate up from the old school. Over his lifetime, he skated tons of pools. The other little older, quite the businessman. When they hooked up, it was the master plan. The OG skater couldn't skate no more. Except, of course, back and forth to the store. He got a new crew, one that could rage. And named his boys the Bones Brigade. The boys would practice each and every day. To be a bone boy, you know it'd be that way. When it came down to rock the world, they would bust out. For all the boys and girls, it started off in the U.S. of A. Rocking and a-rolling from state. To state, city to city, and town to town, from LA to New York's underground, north, south, east, and west, right in Palparata, cause it's the best. Skating for money or skating for food, always maintaining a good attitude, looking good and living large. And on the ramp, yes, they did bars with long smith brands and hurricanes. Always crazy, you know, always insane, but in control at all times. Skating hard to those hip hop rhymes, always skying high and never going. In effect, never dissing a bro. Things did change as time went by. What used to be cool now was fly. What used to be new now was old. And this is how the story is told.